Welcome to Storyberries Radio. You can read along with any of our stories all for free at our website, storyberries.com. The Kingdom of the Ogres by R. Wilhelm In the land of Annam, there once dwelt a man named Sue, who sailed the seas as a merchant. Once his ship was suddenly driven on a distant shore by a great storm. It was a land of hills, broken by ravines and green with luxuriant foliage, yet he could see something along the hills which looked like human dwellings. So he took some food with him and went ashore. No sooner had he entered the hills than he could see at either hand the entrances to caves, one close beside the other, like a row of beehives. So he stopped and looked into one of the openings, and in it sat two ogres, with teeth like spears and eyes like fiery lamps. They were just devouring a deer. The merchant was terrified by this sight and turned to flee, but the ogres had already noticed him, and they caught him and dragged him into their cave. Then they talked to each other with animal sounds and were about to tear his clothes from his body and devour him. But the merchant hurriedly took a bag of bread and dried meat out and offered it to them. They divided it, ate it up, and it seemed to taste good to them. Then they once more went through the bag, but he gestured with his hand to show them that he had no more. Then he said, Let me go. Aboard my ship I have frying pans and cooking pots, vinegar and spices. With these I could prepare your food. The ogres did not understand what he was saying, however, and were still ferocious. So he tried to make them understand in dumb show, and finally they seemed to get an idea of his meaning. So they went to the ship with him, and he brought his cooking gear to the cave, collected brushwood, made a fire, and cooked the remains of the deer. When it was done to a turn, he gave them some of it to eat, and the two creatures devoured it with the greatest satisfaction. Then they left the cave and closed the opening with a great rock. In a short space of time, they returned with another deer they had caught. The merchant skinned it, fetched fresh water, washed the meat, and cooked several kettles full of it. Suddenly, in came a whole herd of ogres, who devoured all he had cooked and became quite animated over their eating. They all kept pointing to the kettle, which seemed too small to them. When three or four days had passed, one of the ogres dragged in an enormous cooking pot on his back, which was thenceforth used exclusively. Now the ogres crowded about the merchant, bringing him wolves and deer and antelopes, which he had to cook for them, and when the meat was done, they would call him to eat it with them. Thus a few weeks passed and they gradually came to have such a confidence in him that they let him run about freely, and the merchant listened to the sounds which they uttered and learned to understand them. In fact, before very long he was able to speak the language of ogres himself. This pleased the latter greatly, and they brought him a young ogre girl and made her his wife. She gave him valuables and fruit to win his confidence, and in the course of time they grew very much attached to each other. One day the ogres all rose very early and each one of them hung a string of radiant pearls about his neck. They ordered the merchant to be sure and cook a great quantity of meat. The merchant asked his wife what it all meant. This will be a day of high festival, answered she, 
we have invited the great king to a banquet. But to the other ogres she said, the merchant has no string of pearls. Then each of the ogres gave him five pearls and his wife added ten so that he had fifty pearls in all. These his wife threaded and hung the pearl necklace about his neck and there was not one of the pearls which was not worth at least several hundred ounces of silver. Then the merchant cooked the meat and having done so left the cave with the whole herd in order to receive the great king. They came to a broad cave in the middle of which stood a huge block of stone as smooth and even as a table. Round it were stone seats. The place of honour was covered with a leopard skin and the rest of the seats with deer skins. Several dozen ogres were sitting around the cave in rank and file. Suddenly a tremendous storm blew up, whirling around the dusting columns and a monster appeared who had the figure of an ogre. The ogres all crowded out of the cave in a high state of excitement to receive him. The great king ran into the cave, sat down with his legs outstretched and glanced about him with eyes as round as an eagle's. The whole herd followed him into the cave and stood at either hand of him, looking up to him and folding their arms across their breasts in the form of a cross in order to do him honour. The great king nodded, looked around and asked, Are all the folk of the Womi Hills present? The entire herd declared that they were. Then he saw the merchant and asked, From whence does he hail? His wife answered for him and all spoke with praise of his art as a cook. A couple of ogres brought in the cooked meat and spread it out on the table. Then the great king ate of it till he could eat no more, praised it with his mouthful, and said that in future they were always to furnish him with food of this kind. Then he looked at the merchant and asked, Why is your necklace so short? With these words he took ten pearls from his own necklace, pearls as large and round as bullets of a blunderbuss. The merchant's wife quickly took them on his behalf and hung them around his neck, and the merchant crossed his arms like the ogres and spoke his thanks. Then the great king went off again, flying away like lightning on the storm. In the course of time, heaven sent the merchant children, two boys and a girl. They all had a human form and did not resemble their mother. Gradually, the children learnt to speak, and their father taught them the language of men. They grew up and were soon so strong that they could run across hills as though on level ground. One day the merchant's wife had gone out with one of the boys and the girl had been absent for half a day. The north wind was blowing briskly and in the merchant's heart there awoke a longing for his old home. He took his son by the hand and went down to the seashore. There his old ship was still lying, so he climbed into it with his boy and in a day and a night was back in Annam again. When he reached home, he loosened two of his pearls from his chain and sold them for a great quantity of gold, so that he could keep house in handsome style. He gave his son the name of Panther, and when the boy was fourteen years of age, he could lift thirty hundred weight with ease. Yet he was rough by nature and fond of fighting. The general of Anam, astonished at his bravery, appointed him a colonel, and in putting down a revolt his services were so meritorious that he was already a general of the second rank when but eighteen. At about this time another merchant was also driven ashore by a storm on the island of Womi. When he reached land he saw a youth who asked him with astonishment, Are you not from the Middle Kingdom? 
The merchant told him how he had come to be driven ashore on the island, and the youth led him to a little cave in a secret valley. Then he brought deer flesh for him to eat and talked with him. He told him that his father had also come from Annam, and it turned out that his father was an old acquaintance of the man to whom he was talking. "'We will have to wait until the wind blows from the north,' said the youth. "'Then I will come and escort you, "'and I will give you a message of greeting to take to my father and brother.' "'Why do you not go along yourself and hunt up your father?' asked the merchant. "'My mother does not come from the Middle Kingdom,' replied the youth. "'She is different in speech and appearance, so it cannot well be.' One day the wind blew strongly from the north and the youth came and escorted the merchant to his ship and ordered him, at parting, not to forget a single one of his words. When the merchant returned to Annam, he went to the palace of Panther, the general, and told him all that had happened. When Panther listened to him telling about his brother, he sobbed with bitter grief. Then he secured leave of absence and sailed out to sea with two soldiers. Suddenly a typhoon arose, which lashed the waves until they spurted sky-high. The ship turned turtle and Panther fell into the sea. He was seized by a creature and flung up on a strand where there seemed to be dwellings. The creature who had seized him looked like an ogre, so Panther addressed him in the ogre tongue. The ogre, surprised, asked him who he was, and Panther told him his whole story. The ogre was pleased and said, Woe me is my old home, but it lies about 8,000 miles away from here. This is the kingdom of poison dragons. Then the ogre fetched a ship and had Panther seat himself in it, while he himself pushed the ship before him through the water so that it clove the waves like an arrow. It took a whole night, but in the morning a shoreline appeared to the north, and there on the strand stood a youth on lookout. Panther recognised his brother. He stepped ashore and they clasped hands and wept. Then Panther turned around to thank the ogre, but the latter had already disappeared. Panther now asked after his mother and sister and was told that both were well and happy, so he wanted to go to them with his brother. But the latter told him to wait and went off alone. Not long after he came back with their mother and sister, and when they saw Panther, both wept with emotion. Panther now begged them to return with him to Anam. But his mother replied, I fear that if I went, people would mock me because of my figure. I am a high officer, replied Panther, and people would not dare to insult you. So they all went down to the ship together with him. A favourable wind filled their sails and they sped home swiftly as an arrow flies. On the third day they reached land, but the people whom they encountered were all seized with terror and ran away. Then Panther took off his mantle and divided it among three so that they could dress themselves. When they reached home and the mother saw her husband again, she began at once to scold him violently because he had not said a word to her when he went away. The members of his family, who all came to greet the wife of the master of the house, did so with fear and trembling. But Panther advised his mother to learn the language of the Middle Kingdom, dress in silks and accustom herself to human food. This she agreed to do, yet she and her daughter had men's clothing made for them. The brother and sister gradually grew more fair of complexion and looked like the people of the Middle Kingdom. Panther's brother was named Leopard and his sister Ogre Child. Both possessed great bodily strength. But Panther was not pleased to think that his brother was so uneducated, so he had him study. 
Leopard was highly gifted. He understood a book at first reading, yet he felt no inclination to become a man of learning. To shoot and to ride was what he best loved to do. So he rose to high rank as a professional soldier and finally married the daughter of a distinguished official. It was long before Ogre Child found a husband because all suitors were afraid of their mother-in-law-to-be. But Ogre Child finally married one of her brother's subordinates. She could draw the strongest bow and strike the tiniest bird at a distance of a hundred paces. Her arrow never fell to earth without having scored a hit. When her husband went out to battle, she always accompanied him, and that he finally became a general was largely due to her. Leopard was already a field marshal at the age of 30, and his mother accompanied him on his campaigns. When a dangerous enemy drew near, she buckled on armour and took a knife in her hand to meet him in place of her son. And among the enemies who encountered her there was not a single one who did not flee from her in terror. Because of her courage, the emperor bestowed upon her the title of the Superwoman. The End Thank you for reading with storyberries.com Free stories for kids. <laughs>